ladies and gentlemen, this is Majorel with the rest of the guys that popped off. I'm excited to welcome you to episode three of Phoenix Watch, a brand new show dedicated entirely to you, that awesome community that's been building up around Ashes of Creation. Today's very exciting as I get to sit down with our first ever role-playing guild, uh, led by Thogli with the Lords of Duneheim. Thogli, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, how are you? I can't complain, like, so I'm very excited. And I know we also have two other guests with us today, two of your officers, if you'd like to go ahead and introduce us to them. Uh, yeah, uh, we got Kelg. Um, he's a officer of the Ramhart clan. And we have Bergen, an officer of Rheingard. How'd you do? Hello, hello. Hey, guys. And how are you guys doing today? Doing pretty well. Uh, woke up a little early, maybe stayed up a little late. But excited to see what's going on. Any day that I get to talk about Ashes of Creation and what we've been building uh, is a good day for me. So I'm doing really well. Awesome. I love to hear that. So I noticed you were talking about leader of one clan, leader of another. So what exactly is kind of like the setup right quick? And then we'll kind of dig deeper into it. But just as a, as a brief overview of uh, the Lords of Duneheim. Uh, so... It's broken up into clans for different aspects of the game people might enjoy. Um, and so I have it into, right now it's five different clans. So you have like a PvP part, a PvE, um, you have some crafters, a clan that's focused on trade, and another one who's going to be doing a different aspect, which is like scribing, map making, and some history of what we've been doing. Okay, right on. And like I said, we're definitely going to dig deeper into that. I, I want to keep a pin in that for right this second but before we get deeper into the guild i always like to talk to the guild leader and the leadership as well something i've said on the other two episodes thus far was at, at the end of the day no matter how good your officer base is or your council a, a guild is not a democracy um they're, they're, all roads will eventually lead to you dogly so what is your experience playing mmos and then also leading them and kind of bringing you into why you decided to build up your own guild? Um, well, I've had uh, quite a bit of experience with uh, RuneScape. And then I started WoW in uh, beta, um, testing that uh, at the later version of it. So I've been playing WoW as my main MMO, and I think it was Rat to the Lich King expansion when I decided to try my hand at guild leading. And uh, it was different. I kind of created a dwarf guild there. And ever since, been kind of chugging along, learning the ins and outs of it and things like that. Right on. And uh, as so you've kind of always been drawn to the dwarves when it comes to fantasy games? Oh, definitely. Ever since uh, I read Lord of the Rings when I was younger. Awesome. Uh, good to know that you have a bit more of a... It's just nice to know that you're not yet another Gimli. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and then Kel and, and Berg... Uh, I've already met, uh, butchered your name. For the other two of you guys, what are your guys' experience uh, leading or being an officer in Guild and, of course, with role-playing in other games? Well, when it comes to role-play, I've been playing D&D &D for, what, 10 years now, two weeks, every week consistently? <laughs> Up until at least, you know, about February this month, we can all, or this year, we can all figure out what happened there. I always did it in person. It was always great. A lover for storytelling and uh, having people make the story around me, which is what D&D is great for. Um, when it comes to guilds in leadership, trying to pull a bit more from 
kind of work experience as a manager and a leader and feeling the way through a little bit when it comes to the guild side of things. Because of how it's structured, I can focus on a smaller aspect while still pulling my part and learning as I needed. Awesome. And I did butcher your name the last time I said it. Uh, Bergund? It's Bergund, but Bergund. I, I appreciate the attempts. <laughs> I will get this right before the end of the uh, interview, I promise. What? And same for you, your experience? So I started playing MMOs back in 2008 with EverQuest 2, and I played that basically religiously for five years or so. You know, had multiple maxed out characters, and I was a part of an end game raiding guild basically starting at that point up until um the five years had ended i was a guild captain of sorts or a guild officer similar to the role that i play now and then after everquest sadly sort of started to dissipate i transitioned into more playstation games so i i started playing division two and was in a guild there and they have roles in that game and so there's healers and support and tanks and dps and so i, I played a, a a similar role that i did in everquest and I, i've been a healer for all these years and was a captain in a guild for division two uh, i've been playing role playing in everquest i did a lot of role playing in red dead redemption 2 online played a sheriff and role played that role for a little bit you know taking out the the griefers that are out there in the world and yeah just gotten back into mmos so i've got a good chunk of time to get my pc gaming feet wet again before ashes of creation comes out awesome so it sounds like we've got like a healthy amount of experience in mmos as well as leading guilds and just leading people in general but something you said kind of brings me to my next scene which is so you were a heavy role player as well as a late game raider so for the guild as a whole, are you going to see a difference between role play and progression? Or are you going to try to do both at the same time within AOC? It's hard balance to do, but I think we're going to try and do both at the same time. Well, I mean, with Ashes of Creation, it's a good possibility that a lot of the stuff that you're going to be coming into has a strong role play aspect to it. So kind of doing that in tandem and getting to that end game rating content is probably a wise decision <laughs> yeah and just so for people listening uh, i don't think any of us here when we say at the same time we're not talking about like going up to a castle siege expecting everyone to stop so you can have your epic anime speech at the beginning and like declare war or anything like that like we're, we're talking about you you kind of have a narrative that you're building up you might have separate events as to what you're role playing but when you go into a dungeon it's kind of game mode you're not really in character throughout that dungeon am i correct there are you going to try to do um no you're correct it's mostly game mode um but there are also light aspects of role play um while we're doing something keeping in mind that as you do like pvp or dungeons and stuff you could take it into your story if that's something you wanted to do so it's not anything that we're just blatantly saying no it doesn't count that's just out of character experience um it's something we're willing to work with and have you included inside your your storyline sure yeah i know uh oddly enough it was, it was a conversation that was had on the discord a few weeks back where people were saying you can't role play and do a castle siege at the same time and i think they were mostly arguing that you can't do like the role play walk during a castle siege you can't expect everyone to stop everything for you to just type everything out you, you can definitely incorporate bits of what happens so like i'm, I'm going to keep using sieges because they're like one of the more exciting parts of aoc at least for me is if you go in, if you like 
get past an enemy's defenses and you get up around them and you maybe take out a few key players so that they have to respawn run all the way back, you can incorporate that as like, yeah, I'm a pretty good infiltrator into your story. Is that, That's kind of what you guys are thinking as well, correct? <laughs> uh, yes, of course. Um, yeah, we know we're not going to be able to slow walk everywhere. And honestly, who would want to slow walk in the middle of a, a siege? <laughs> exactly, yeah. I think because AOC is going to be PVX and because of the mechanics within the game as we understand it so far, but basically the general idea, the roleplay is going to naturally happen for, for a lot of players. You know, the dynamic emotions that'll go through sieges you know to protect your land it might not be role-playing in the moment per se you know you might get a shout in here and there but uh i, I think the after effects and the ripple effects of what happens are going to be role-play deep diving you know there's there's all sorts of ripple effects and emotions that will go through um and so incorporating end game rating and pvp all of that's going to be taking place pretty much at all at all times throughout the world of Vera. So finding that balance is definitely something that we're trying to do. Yeah, right on. For AOC, for the world of Vera, do you guys have a story, a narrative that you're already building up to? And then uh, how is that tying into what we currently know for the lore of dwarves? And feel free to also give some examples of what we might know for any anyone who hasn't kept up on the small snippets of lore we've gotten so far. Uh, of course. Uh, yeah, we are actually kind of... Um... It's different. It's a little little different the way we're trying to do things. So we're basing a lot of this stuff off of right now us currently being in uh, Sanctus or Sanctuary. And because there's not a whole lot of lore on the dwarves, we're taking the calamity that happened and a little bit of the information that we came into with the diary and trying to incorporate that. Um, hence the name that we have, Lords of duneheim in our eyes every dwarf is a lord so from that we're kind of bringing together the clans and telling uh, the lore side of things on our part how we interact in sanctus and then what happens once we find out that hey it's time for us to pick up things and head over to vera so there's some storyline that's being set up and some letters and missives that might have been written and sent to other dwarven clans and who knows? Someone might might actually come across it if they can read some runic language. Awesome! That sounds like a lot of fun. And um, obviously, you guys have a much like a variety of different types of clans, which mechanically will be different. Um, are they also thematically different? Oh, very much so. There are some different themes uh, with each clan. Some personality traits too that might fit well with others. Don't know exactly how to explain all of it. I know that. Kelg has a big hold on what Rampart is, and Bergen more so what Iron Guard is. So, do you you want to try to like paint us a quick picture of what those look like right now? Sure. Uh, if you're talking about uh, the Rampart specifically, uh, think of a knight. Think of cavalry. We kind of go out if we're in a sort of like PvP event scenario, <laughs> depending, of course, how AOC determines what the mount combat is going to be. Because right now, I think it's very limited. Uh, they might add on to it more or just see what that happens. But we like mounts. We like riding in, you know, on our boars as dwarves like you would see in the Battle of the Five Armies. And we're adventurers, so we're the guys that go out and we're going to try and do the dungeons. We're going to try and do the raiding. That doesn't restrict the other clans. That's just kind of like we want to focus on. Also from an RPN theme to mechanics in the game. Right on. And yeah, our, our next clan. Yeah, so I, I run 
the Iron Guard. Um, so I've got an interesting balance. I, I'm, I'm going to be Caravan, Siege, uh, General PvP focused. And so being in a role-playing guild, um, it kind of goes back to your previous question. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to have to figure out how to break RP so that we can handle these PvP elements within the game. And we're kind of going to be the oil on the machine of the Lords of Duneheim, you know, make sure everything's running smoothly in our node and outside of our node uh, as the veins of the caravans and the threats of a siege might take place or probably will take place. And again, it's, it's important that we're not restricting anyone from joining us to PvP in another clan. It's more just to create our characters. Like, we, we're the defenders of our realm. And, you know, of course, we'll, we'd love to have, you know, our other clans help us out just as much as I would like to craft, you know, siege weapons and possibly be a master crafter at siege weapons. Um, so there's there's blending with all the different elements that our different clans represent, but we have our focuses and that's more for like the dynamic thematic role play that we're creating for ourselves, our, our individual characters. Right on. And while we're on the topic of theme, I know something that's a little unique and I'm very excited for in Ashes of Creation is we've seen the concept art for a tropical style dwarf i know so I, I come from role playing 20 plus years uh and one of my favorite themes i had a D, D world that i built where you had a, a hawaiian style volcano and on the outside for that island you actually had dwarves that i, I ripped straight from hawaii and uh, they would surf they had some of the best boats and things like that uh have, have you guys thought of already incorporating some of that something kind of new something that's not been seen from Lord of the Rings or Warcraft, people who might be very familiar with those, and like a tropical dwarf or even like a jungle style dwarf? Um, we have thought about it, but it's very hard to allure that type of dwarf alongside the traditional and stoic dwarves. Uh, <laughs> so we would like to have, you know, that kind of dwarf around, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> So what I'm hearing is if anybody wants to be an officer and is listening, join up and you can find yourself like on the high seas as a pirate dwarf. Well, mercenary, like we'll say privateer dwarf. <laughs> yeah. I think something that ties into the RP of AOC is that in the dwarven lore, dwarves that have left their heritage have some sort of sigil that's been burned off of their skin because when dwarves are born, they're given a sigil of sorts like their clan sigil or something to that effect. And I think we've discussed if we do incorporate a, a Nikua dwarf, which is the Islander dwarf, uh, into mm -hmm. our fold, then we go through some sort of RP experience where we possibly give them another sigil or something like that. Yeah, we're bringing them back into the fold because as the story goes, they the Nikua left the Dunier holds a long time ago. So it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. We're definitely going to have Nakura in there. Okay. Now, I, I know a not too long ago, you guys had also mentioned like every dwarf is a lord. Um, are you guys going to be using that as to like possibly try to elicit like a, a classism roleplay narrative or like dwarves are the lords? Or are you kind of just using it as a funnel for your own inner pride as far as the narrative goes? I think it's more so a funnel because, you know, typically... A human comes out you know i'm a i'm a lord it'd be fun to see their reaction well that's funny because we have a lot of lords <laughs> sure yeah 
Um, and of course, you guys being dwarves, a lot of people are going to have uh, images of Ironforge, of the Mines of Mori, like underground dwelling dwarves. We know that there's a, de a definitive subterranean race, although it's kind of the meme that nobody's seen any fan art from it yet, and we're all kind of just guessing as to what they look like. Uh, are you going to be very open to, uh, oh, I've just blinked on their name, but to this, the subterraneans? Or Walmart. is it, yes, thank you. Uh, will you guys be open to them? Uh, yeah, we have a trading mercantile clan, and mm -hmm. I believe they have brought in to our uh, discussions um, the concept of having relations with other mixed guilds that are out there. Um, and it's interesting that Duneheim is not only a uh, open world dungeon in the game, but it was it used to be a city. And if you look closely, it's it's an underground city. It's uh it's interesting to think what kind of dynamic relationship we can have with the underdwelling Tulnar, because you know, we are dwarven and historically there's been lots of under development underground for dwarves. So yeah. Awesome. And what, you've been feeding me so many great transitions. So with Duneheim being an open world dungeon, are, is that kind of the place on the map you guys are looking to settle is like as close to that as you can and build up nodes around that? So Duneheim for us is going to be a lot more like the Alamo. It's more of instead of just an important place to sit down and squat, it's going to be a place that we kind of use as a cry of the heritage, as a cry of what the dwarves used to be before leaving Vera. Because they were the ones that decided not to leave too and fell, unfortunately. And that also built into why we're lords. You know, it's a it's a cry to come home. Everyone is lord. Everyone goes into or tries to reclaim Duneheim. More as like a, a thought and an idea than the actual place itself. We'll also have to wait and see just how long it takes and where Duneheim will be. Because we don't know. It'll be pretty exciting when we do find that out. Maybe make a trek as a guild event every couple of times. Okay, right on. So have you guys given any thought of where on the map or maybe like the type of node that you'll be trying to take over as your primary node? We have had some thought um, and deliberated about it a little bit. We're coming uh, we're kind of coming out with either scientific or economic node um, in the place we would like to have it is, you know, traditional in the mountains, snowy peak kind of place. Uh, but we also don't know where the starting location for the dwarves are going to be. So it really depends on how far away that is. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. But what I'm hearing is people don't want to be too, if people really want to be seafaring, maybe not the Lords of Duneheim just yet, just as maybe as good allies instead. Well, like I said, that mercantile trading guild, uh, clan within our guild, mm -hmm. uh, they, they'll be responsible for trade. And so I think that naturally will include seafaring so if you if you're a seafaring dwarf out there I'd, I'd highly recommend you check us out and and see how it fits with with what you're thinking as a character sure and then something i've seen come up a lot when it comes to uh race specific guilds would be if somebody wanted to come out as like i just want to be like a strong ally to your guild are you necessarily closed off to people wanting to play uh humans or elves or tolnar or are you kind of trying to keep it for dwarves now 
and maybe opening it up down the road when people can have a chance to role play and kind of earn their way into the clan. Oh, definitely not going to close off because, you know, overall, Ashes is going to be a community game. Mm -hmm. You're going to rely on other people, and it's really not a smart idea to just close yourself off and be isolationist. So we would like to have some relationships with other races and actually are working on uh, now that you mention, kind of like a antagonist with a specific race-only guild. Okay, right on. So you guys are already building up for some inter-guild narratives that might be like the, to cause some conflict and some interesting storytelling? Exactly. Awesome. I, I do love to hear that. And and when it comes to those those role-play events, uh, so I, I'm sure obviously we got things like going out on patrol will be a role-play event and things like that. Do you guys already have ideas for like perhaps your own dwarven holidays or anything else like that? So something that's a guilty confession of mine is I love the idea of the Book of Grudges. Mm -hmm. And I know that's from another game, but I'm thinking about bringing it over to kind of do some kind of event at least once a month on um, finding out who our enemies are and publicly announcing them and offering some kind of reward. We haven't really hammered that out too much, uh, but... Uh, offering a reward to those who can prove to right those wrongs. Okay, right on. That actually sounds really interesting. And definitely sounds like something where like some of the mercenary guilds that I've seen recruiting might be very interested in as well. So it looks like there will be plenty of opportunity for other guilds to come and interact with yours as well. So that that's awesome to see. Uh, I, was, I think it's fair to say that every day is a, a holiday in a dwarven tavern. And uh, so I, I think anyone who wants to come have a good time, it's definitely going to be at a dwarven tavern, wherever that might be, end up happening. Right on. Actually, and while, while we're in like taverns and stuff, as far as in-character communication, I know something a lot of people, uh, if they're brand new to roleplay, especially roleplay in an MMO, for some reason, some people can split the difference between D&D &D and MMO. And when they think MMO, they just automatically assume yay old English and talking like they're at a bad Renaissance fair. For your dwarves, do you think you're going to be like picking up the traditional like Scottish bastardization of the Scottish language that is usually done through like World of Warcraft or picked up in like Tolkien? Or do you have something you're you're working on on your own? Um, you know, <laughs> it's it's sad that a lot of people have their ideas but we we're gonna kind of go with it we're gonna i think we're gonna go with the whole scottish feel kind of the hard pronunciations just because you know it's something that everyone knows and we're not trying to reinvent the wheel too much uh just kind of going and giving everyone an opportunity to create and play the best dwarf version they can so i think it'd be fun just to kind of stick with that uh scottish language and dialect I think because we're playing Dunir Dwarves, for the most part, we will have Nikwa's, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, but we'll have the Islander Dwarves, you know, if they if they turn up. But uh, playing that tr very traditional, stoic, sort of stubborn dwarf, that version, the, the pronunciations and things like that kind of just naturally come as like the traditional sounding dwarf, which is quite Scottish, etc. Okay, right on. And... For anyone playing, if they really don't want to do it, because I, I know everyone has their own comfort level, what they do in character. Uh, I, I think we can all also agree that you're, you're coming into a post-apocalyptic world. Like, who knows what kind of experiences you had 
in between that and if you lost or just never gained a specific accent i don't think anyone's gonna i don't foresee you guys going i'm sorry you don't sound scottish enough you have to go <laughs> oh definitely not <laughs> and we definitely want to offer anyone who's a little nervous about wanting to role play we want to offer them like a mentorship and and bring them in with that understanding that you know if, if you want to try it out and you know put your put some effort in uh we'll, we're here for that we're, we can definitely egg that uh experience along awesome I, I do love to hear that uh far too many guilds are like we're going to be hardcore role playing if you don't fully commit like it's your full-time job it's yeah I, i've been there i i get it's like sitting at a D, &D table and you're just like guy please stop <laughs> it can get a little overwhelming at times when there's so much information out there trying to role play something new i knew i had that experience once and we want to be a little welcoming and you know so if if you're out there trying to create something new um we do have that mentorship program as bergen stated mm -hmm. awesome and it just popped into my head, but as role players, I know there was a small discussion on the forums, kind of leaked into the Discord with um, chat bubbles. I know Steven had made a comment. He's like, I think he pulls people out of the game, but other people have made comments that just staring at the left, bottom left of your screen isn't quite as immersive. Um, as role players, what are your guys' opinion on like chat bubbles? I would love to have some chat bubbles. Um, kind of put it like as a comic book, uh, you know, bubble above your head giving that narrative on what you're saying, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Something that I haven't seen. Yeah, I used to play EverQuest and it, that was constantly looking down at the left chat box. And recently I've been playing WoW and experiencing the chat bubbles a lot more with that setting turned on. And it's hard to choose which one I like more. I think, I think the speech bubbles do have a good effect and make it a little bit more of a a timing thing you can you can really see when they're responding and i think it's a little bit more immersive for me yeah i, I think both have their place i think uh if you're brand new to a guild you don't yet know all the names because you got like 30 new names it's nice to have the chat bubble to go oh okay that's who's actually talking you don't have to go down then look up and hopefully you have nameplates on so you can quickly see who the nameplates are you're not hovering over everyone in the crowd trying to see who's right. talking yeah right yeah, but kind of moving away a little bit from the role play stuff. Obviously, you guys said you, you have no interest in sacrificing any of the mechanical aspects of the game. So you, you already have a clan that's going to be dedicated to the crafting, one that sounds like it's going to be dedicated to like the defense of the nodes that you're in. As far as expansion, as uh, so you guys take over the node that you want. If you find out, say, that there's a dungeon underneath you, are you going to say... Uh, obviously, depending on the weight of the reward, are, is there a chance that you guys can be like, all right, we're going to let this these people come and destroy us, maybe tie that into your narrative, or is it this is our home to hell with any endgame reward? So um, <laughs> whenever it comes to this is our home, that's kind of how the dwarves have always been. If you look at a lot of the different uh, storytelling when it comes to either, you know, Warhammer Fantasy or otherwise, even World of Warcraft, uh, it's always like, this is the bastion. This is, we're the dying people and we need to protect our home. So you better believe we've already lost our home once. <laughs> if there's a dungeon below us, we are clearing it, especially the Ramarts, because we're a more PvE focused part of the clan. Anytime there is like a big dungeon or things like that, while there is always a point for narrative, we're always going to at least try to clear it. We're going to try and make it a win for the dwarves. Now, if they knock us on our butts and we wipe a couple of times, we might add that into the narrative as a tried and failed attempt, but it's not ever done. All right. 
Awesome. And as far as like, I know some dungeons won't open up until you've de-leveled a node to a certain point. Are, are you guys ever going to purposefully lose in order to gain access to a PVE dungeon? If like, if you want those end game rewards, or are you just going to be like, kind of shrug it off and try to get something equivalent on the other side of the world? I think that um, sometimes creating that, that losing scenario can really help with the, the story. I'm up for that, but doing it in practice, so we'll have to see how it works out. Yeah, that, that is a big ask to have a, because I know you guys said you're already working with another guild, so say that guild comes in, they're your arch enemy, and you're like, hey guys, we're going to toss this fight, but make it look good. And then you toss the fight and they decide they're not going to give you back. That I can definitely see something like that happening. And that's that's a big ask for something. It's a lot of trust. But yeah, uh, as we move on. So it, it sounds like you're not specifically closed off to de-leveling the node if you need to. Um, as far as expansion, are you guys thinking of like a mighty dwarven empire? Or are you going to try to like completely take over and then defend? Like this is our bastion. You might reach out a little bit from there, but like just kind of stay centralized. It would be amazing if we could have a, a huge metropolis. But on the realistic side of things, um, my experience is not many people roleplay or play dwarves. So just looking at it from a population aspect, don't know if we'll be able to say, hey, we have a huge bastion here. But it would be awesome if we can get something like that. I think what it would require is having a more alliances possible you know taking advantage of i think it's three different uh, allied guilds if we can find dwarven mostly dwarven guilds and and building that node together i, I think it's possible to you know get up there i don't know about a metropolis i'm not sure what the player count requirement and you know time spent in that node would take but it's definitely in our discussions yeah, as an idea, I could definitely see something. Uh, I think Lonely Mountain with Lake Town underneath. So you guys have like the dwarves up in the mountain that kind of lord over everything. And uh, with allying nodes around, knowing that if they're in trouble, they can come to you guys for that protection or something like that. Is that something you're thinking of where maybe the entire surrounding nodes aren't necessarily dwarven as long as that central primary one is? Yeah, that's kind of the, the route that I was taking it. Just okay. so long as the population in general has a Dunir uh, style node that they can go to and experience. Um, so we're trying to produce that as as much as we can. Yeah, and which I'm excited about because honestly, I don't know. And I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, maybe in the beta we can get an idea for that, for like how, how varied the populations actually will be. Or are we going to get slammed with a ton of human architecture or a ton of elven architecture i know like world of warcraft elves elves and humans are like the prime predominant races in the game i'm excited to see what's going to happen uh, once aoc launches and we actually start seeing the numbers for that but it, it'll be nice that there's a few guilds out there that are like hard like this is the architecture we want to go with which is awesome because i've really enjoyed the dwarven architecture so far what have you guys thought so far of what we've seen it has been amazing um <laughs> Probably some of the best Dwarven architecture that I've seen. I'm really impressed with what they have done. Right on. And, uh... Well, yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I hope that there's some inner, like we can build up the mountain, if that makes sense. Not just on a flat plain at the bottom of the mountain or, you know, maybe 
where a lake used to be or something like that. But deep down, I'm also really interested in seeing what the islander dwarf, what an islander dwarf metropolis would look like. That that just sounds so interesting to me. I'm, I'm really excited by all things dwarf that Ashes has shown us so far. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm I'm very, very curious if we're going to get like a, a dwarven style tiki hut <laughs> come at uh, come launch. I'm, I, I am very curious about that. And yeah, I, I haven't, I don't think anyone's asked about that. If there's going to be verticality to some of these cities or if they're all going to be kind of situated in more flatter areas. I, I could definitely imagine if they start off flatter, if in a future expansions, we couldn't get more uh, interesting node buildings, like ones that might go all the way up the side of a mountain. That That would be really cool to see. And then as far as like freeholds and stuff like that, we know that there's going to be limited freeholds. Is that something you guys are going to be trying to help encourage other people uh, to kind of go in line with each dwarf as a lord to where like if you want a freehold, go for it. Just kind of pay your taxes so we we know to defend you or, or are you wanting most dwarves to try to come to your city to help try to centralize that population? Honestly, I think the freeholds having some dwarven and non-dwarven freeholds would be interesting on the outskirts of a city i would like to say that the more the merrier so if you want a freehold yeah build it i know that it takes some building materials so yeah i'm excited to have some different people among us too uh not to where it's just dwarves and that's all you see but having a freehold on the outskirts of a, a dwarven town or city or metropolis really offers a different kind of view on things all right, right on. And then uh, as we talk about like freeholds, other people coming in, and of course, trading in general, do you guys already have an idea for the types of professions you're going to uh, specialize in? I, I know all the like, guilds almost always say, it's like, we want to do all of it, but knowing that you're going to be a little smaller just due to your focus, do you have a few that you're going to really try to focus on and be like, hey, go to these guys because they are master crafters of X, Y, or Z? Yes. So like a like we had discussed earlier, uh, part of that focus on each clan, because, you know, dwarves are readily known as some of the best crafters. It's even in the Dunir and uh, Nakua lore that some of them are the best crafters. Uh, when it comes to the Ramarts, we're going to be, you know, the husbandry, the taming, because we have those mounts that we ride into battle on. You know, it's a big part of us. So whenever that happens, might come to a rampart. If you want sieging weapons and ideas, Bergen's got that one going on for sure, as the Iron Guards being a more PvP-oriented fo uh, focus. And for everything in between, you've got Ashen Forge, which I think the main guy there is probably going to be like an armor or weaponry, something of that nature. But it's going to be a lot more widespread. So for them, there might not be a bigger focus on one specific thing, but just whatever people want to do. And the guild are going to try and help them get to a specialization within it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'd sure. say armor and weapons is probably what we're going to be most known for. But that also depends on what kind of wild things animal husbandry can bring. But I'd say animal husbandry and armor and weapons is probably what we're going to be known for by you know a year into the game at, at least right on i am i know we don't have any specifics with a lot of these professions yet i am kind of hoping there's different paths for stuff like animal husbandry like you might decide i'm going to specifically breed water mounts and then all these ones might specifically breed hardier mounts they could take a bit more of a beating or something like that uh there's a lot of different things we could see so it'd be exciting to see if there is something that could feel very dwarfish like if there's a hardier mount that can help uh if, if you're 
getting hit, it, you won't be dismounted immediately or however it works. I, I don't remember how being dismounted works just yet. Oh, definitely. I, I love the fact that I think there's mention that stats are going to be part of how you do breeding and also uh, kind of like customization of how it looks. So once I delve into that, I'm really going to be twerking some aspects, uh, kind of because I have some experience with ARC as well. And I, I sat and I bred and did stats and all kinds of things uh, with that game. So something I'm really interested in to get in, into. So we, we've already discussed that you guys, you have a good idea of where you would like to be, how large you would like that area to be, how far you would like to extend your, your reach for other people that are just trying to come in and just have like a, a safe home. Because I'm, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people because I've already interviewed two guilds that they're expecting like, like, yeah, we're definitely going to siege other guilds. We're going to be fighting other people. And they're going to flat out piss people off enough to have people come back and siege them back. It seems like you guys are okay with being outside of the predetermined roleplay guilds that you're already talking with a bit more on the neutral side. So it does sound like this might be a place if people are just looking for a quiet place where they can log off and maybe come back in a week or two because they just play casually. Their home's not going to be gone. Uh, does that sound about right? Oh, definitely. We're, we're trying not to be exterminated within the first couple of days. <laughs> Good luck. Fingers crossed. I get that. <laughs> for that, does that mean you guys might also be going for one of the five castles? Or are you going to be kind of keeping your head a little lower to the ground? I swear that wasn't a short joke. <laughs> Practicality, I think, is what it comes down to, because you have to be a large guild to really get a castle. So if we're not going to be able to hit those numbers, uh, we're not going to be able to get a castle. Would it be something that's a great goal and aspiration of ours? I, I think so, but we'll see. Um, I'm all about getting a castle. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Well, maybe we can uh, someday see a dwarven castle. Let me... I know what we've seen with the castles, like not the last live stream, the one previous. It, it kind of looks like a traditional just castle. I'm kind of hoping that they uh, they have ways of twerking the castles to fit a a racial aesthetic. It'd be really cool to see a dwarven castle. I don't think we've seen that yet, unless I've missed it on the wiki somewhere. I think I've seen some concept art of a dwarven castle in the mountains. So my hope is that there's five different castles and five base races. So each each race, the humans, the elves, the Tolnar, the dwarves, and the orcs each have their own style of castle. That, that's my hope anyway. Okay. Do you think it would be where uh, if you go take over that castle, it'll switch to that aesthetic? Or do you have to like hunt out, this is the dwarven castle that stood here since before the apocalypse, and you kind of just repurpose it? That's a great question. <laughs> yeah, I would hope and imagine that it's the person who uh, who gets it back. Because they said before, I think, that uh, like with the armor, right? If uh, a human tries to put on what was dwarven-made armor, it turns into the human aesthetic. So if you want that dwarf theme, you have to be a dwarf. But it also might go into just whatever the main node is. So if the main node is created by a human and you get a guild castle, then it's probably a human guild castle. Yeah, I could, I could see that going either way. Kind of sort of while we're talking about aesthetics and stuff, for uh, tools and things that you've seen from other games or things that you just wish were in-game to help facilitate roleplay and guilds such as yours, uh, is there anything specific that you would really like added to Ashes? Or is there anything that you've already heard about, like there's already there's supposed to already be a tab for you to put your backstory into? 
that you're really excited to dig into. I'm really excited for that character background that they have been talking about. Another thing that I really want to hear more about is the guild emblems. I know they said that there's a possibility that they could take uh, player-made items or crests or what have you and import them into the game. So that way you can really have a different customization for your what you're representing as your guild. Um, that That's something that I would really like to see. And Ram, or not, sorry. <laughs> I know I love <laughs> saying the name a lot, but the last name, having a first and last name function, not all games do that. I know a handful do. So going across the mountain and seeing 40 different, you know, some odd somethings, Ramheart <laughs> coming across on their mounts, having that unity is a really fun thing to have. And I'm excited to kind of explore that a bit more. Maybe it's a, maybe I'm like taking EverQuest 2 for granted, but having a really good guild hall, a place, a central meeting grounds for your entire guild, something that can be dwarven decorated if we choose to use that furniture type, if, you know, we can upgrade it at a later date, uh, you know, have lots of different functions for like a, a guild hall base, not not someone's primary house or anything like that in ESO, but like a, a, a guild hall, a location in a city where we can go and have that. And it sounds like that's what they're working on. Yeah. And would you like something like that to be pseudo instant? So even if it's just like a guard outside that won't let you pass unless you're in the guild and for like guild members only? I mean, that's very interesting for sure. I personally don't have a view either way. It just depends on how uh, you know, Steven and them decide to do it. It would be nice. And I guess that would go into the whole castle situation. It would really probably depend if you had a guild castle, whether or not those restrictions were put in place versus in town. If it's anything like EverQuest, I, I would love to bring outsiders into our dwarven node and then into whatever tier node that is, and they come into our guild hall and it's a fully dwarven experience. They they get to see our crafts our, and our forges, you know, burning ever bright. And they get to have that really authentic sort of Lords of Duneheim experience when they request our crafts. Or, you know, if, if they uh, are considering to join the guild and they, they don't really know what we're all about, we can take them on a tour. We can, you know, I, I think it would be great to have something where we can choose who's able to come in and out which everquest allowed you to do and i'm hopeful yeah it'd be really nice to see that i know what we've seen so far like they've asked people what tools you would like to see to build and decorate your house and i'm sure some of the older gamers out there might remember like gaia online oh, i think geez. had one of the most robust ways yeah i don't think anyone's beaten that one yet <laughs> as old as that game is so i'm very excited i i i, I would be surprised that there isn't a friends list option for if there was going to be an instanced guild hall going back just a little bit i know kel you had mentioned like going through and seeing like ramheart on 40 different characters do you guys like just the surname to be like representative of the, of the clan that you're in or would you guys prefer to see something where you might have the guild name underneath so lords of dunheim whatever your character name is and then of clan whatever like you can kind of make your own titles would, would you guys like to see something like that in game or do you prefer just the surnames? Do you think that's enough? It really depends per player because, again, we don't want to try and restrict anything too much. I personally would love to just see it as a family name. Uh, how we do the clans, right, is mm -hmm. it's kind of like a family tree going down. 
if someone is inducted into the guild and then into a clan, they're part of that clan family. Yeah, titles titles would be great, but having the Ramhart name after your first name, you know, would be pretty awesome, but not in any way like a requirement. Just uh, an enhancement, I would like to say. Sure. Do you guys agree with oh, that? Definitely. I would love to see a kind of like battle scene of different clans side by side, you know, maybe wearing different colored armors uh, to kind of distinct them differently from one another with, you know, their surnames uh, give kind of a real battle of five armies feel. And I haven't ever played a game where you can create your own titles, but having, having titles is so great. And maybe like a, something before your name and after your name titles, I'd, I'd love to see like, earnable things like that that really show off your you know abilities just from looking at your nameplate yeah i i haven't seen one either i'm just kind of hoping someday maybe because like warcraft gets you kind of there but it it has some titles that go after some before and you can't mix and match them and i'm always left wanting just a little bit like i I know it'll be abused i'm so sorry you missed out on everquest 2 it it had (laughs) both Tons of pre-names and surnames. Man, I, I really did. But yeah, uh, let me make sure I don't miss any of the questions that I normally like to try to ask. I think we cover just about any everything. Um, as far as like interactions with uh, like other games, I know you guys come from a variety of games. Is there any specific thing that you've not yet heard Intrepid say that they're adding that you would like really like to have added into the game that you like that you feel might really enhance the roleplay experience and your experience with the guild? I don't think there's anything for me. I know they've got that whole tavern system and uh, games. Uh, that would be really cool to see fleshed out, see exactly what kind of ideas they have for it. Like if people are just going to be playing darts, you know, with a little mini game or or some version of that uh, that card game from The Witcher. Are there drinking games? I know they're all mini games, but it's still pretty interesting. And they've already added so much from what they've said with more emotes, interactive things. Yeah, I think I think Steven's history with MMORPGs, but also D and D. I I kind of have full faith in the guy, and maybe maybe that's foolish of me, but he's he's really. And I don't think I'm alone. I think I think he's really got a good idea about how to make this a a pretty immersive experience both mechanically and for us role players out there. I can't really think of anything that I would want to want to add, but you know, that's that's a theory crafting question. I could go on for hours about it. So be careful. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm super excited for what I've seen so far and I think it's clear that Steven's a role player. They they just announced yesterday that for Second Life they'll be doing a 24-hour Pathfinder Pathfinder. Well, I, they might be changing the game, but role-playing game uh, held in Ashes of Creation. Of course, are you guys going to be watching that so that you can hopefully catch up any any of those lore tidbits? Oh, yeah. I'm keeping a close eye. I'll be trying to watch the entire time. I think I might be driving across the country, but I'll be watching on my phone for sure. We'll say you're listening on your phone. Oh, we don't want the cops coming after you. Oh, I'm a passenger. <laughs> I'm a passenger. Don't worry. Safety first, everybody. For any other listeners out there that would be interested in joining your guild or learning more, where would you say they can best find you? We're on Discord. We do have a website. And we are also on the Ashes forums. Best way to reach out to us, though, is the Discord. If you get our post on uh, the Ashes of Creation official recruitment for guilds, we do have our post up there 
an invite into the Discord uh, along with uh, some of our officers. Once you come in, we'll be posted there. So that's probably the best way to get a hold of us. Yeah, and for anybody that doesn't know, I'm going to have a fully written transcript of this on my website for poppedoff.com where we'll have the links to everything for your guys' guild there as well. Perfect. You guys have been fantastic. Any closing words before we uh, we close up? Yeah, actually. Um, just if I could poke a little bit more into the lore aspect of it. I know it was said earlier a bit, but I really feel like creating a strong foundation is what we're doing here with our roleplay as dwarves and creating that solid thing to work from, creating the tidbits of lore that weave in with what Ashes of Creation is already making, and then trying to find out what was actually true and what was just falsehoods that we tried to learn from our ancestors. That's awesome. Anyone else? Any closing words? I look forward to meeting people in game, hopefully come across and interact. All right. Oh, actually, that, that does bring me to, I completely blanked on it, two big things. Are you guys going to be trying to go for one of those early start servers, the head start server? Or are you going to be trying to avoid that and kind of avoid streamers in general. I know that's kind of a very tumultuous ground <laughs> when it when it comes to talking to Ashes of Creation players. We're going to try and avoid Big Head Start, but there are a few of us who are going to probably be streaming a little bit once we get uh, into the game, whether it be with Alpha, Beta, or Live. Okay, so you guys aren't necessarily against streamers. You're just going to try to avoid those realms that will most likely include the mega large communities such as like Asmongold. Exactly. Is, of course, the big Great one. streamer. I mean, yeah, I have nothing against streamers. Obviously, I want to be a content creator and shows like this. But I, I know it, it is a cause of concern for some people. Uh, a big worry is that you'll be out there role playing, kind of just doing your thing and just kind of having fun and having a streamer come up like a bully at the playground just to laugh and kick down your sandcastle. It's it's definitely a big worry for people. So I, I I, I get both sides of it. That's when you call the Iron Guard. We've got your back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have been fantastic. I've, I've had a lot of fun talking about this. I'm, I'm very excited to see what kind of narratives are grown from Ash Creation, especially with guilds that are so specifically focused on building fun stories and narratives. I, I can't wait to hear about what happens with you guys as we dig into beta. I, I think beta is a lot of people have agreed it's going to be kind of that early access phase where a lot more people have access to everything. They're playing the game. And of course, at launch, when when these storylines can really start to solidify and we can start seeing a lot of fun narratives. Oh, yes, I look forward to it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I had an absolute blast talking to these guys. And if you enjoyed the show, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever it is you found us. And as said before, I will have links to everything you need in order to join the Lords of Dunheim in our written transcript, which you can find at poppedoff.com. And of course, you can always reach out on Twitter, popped underscore off, or my personal one, at Mazriel GG. Thank you again. Have, your guys, have yourselves a wonderful day.